Oh, yes, and good morning to you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Can I just tell you something? Every week you guys have blessed me as you sang along um, with the video. We come to the end of Elijah. This is our last um, message with Elijah, kind of. We're fixing to start, not next week, but the week after, a summer-long series. I'll tell you all about that um, when we start it. But the last two lessons of that are about Elijah and his depression. So I'm looking forward um, to teaching that at the end of August. So we have a great summer coming up in the Word of God uh, as we teach that. And then let me say this. I'm sitting there on the front row, and I'm listening, and... um, What we hear every week from this stage is as good as anything I hear on the radio. We are so blessed with the worship team we've got. Would you tell them thank you? Would you tell them thank you? They come to services. They come and practice during the week. And those five people, we are just so blessed to have them on our stage and lead us in worship because worship is so important. It's, of course, our way to say thanks to God, but also it plows the ground um, for me to come up. And and every week, week after week after week, I know that you guys have been properly prepared by by our team and the Holy Spirit um, to hear the word of God. Um, So that is just a real blessing. We are blessed at Dorisville Baptist Church. We're blessed with our church family, the people God sends our way with our facility with our it's just our volunteers we are i hope you realize what we've got um bill moore is famous for saying that he'll say do people realize what we've got and i hope that you do realize exactly what we've got all right so today we're going to talk about something really important and that is prayer and prayer matters you know when i was growing up something happened five days a week that was really significant to me um, it's one of the things I remember so well. Um, my daddy got home from work about 4 or 4.15. He rode with some guys. I remember they would pull up to the driveway. I can see it in my mind's eye like it was yesterday. He sat in the back seat. He'd open that door and get out. And before he could even get to it, there were two chairs set under a large oak tree in our backyard. There were two chairs there. And here would come my mama um, out of the kitchen with two hot, fresh uh, percolated cups of coffee, and they would sit down together. Every, I mean, every, I mean, no matter what, they sat down and they just talked. They just chatted about the day, and it's just very, very special memory of mine. It kind of reminded me of of Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, the Bible says that in the cool of the evening, God would come, and and um, as the song says, and He walked with me, and He talked with me. And he tells me that I am his own. Well, the father would come and just chat with Adam and Eve. And, of course, they threw all that away uh, because of sin. But how special that time they had together. And that's kind of like prayer. You know, Billy Graham said, prayer, plain and simple, is a two-way conversation with God. Isn't that beautiful? Some people push back and want to make it bigger than that. But, honestly, Billy Graham is right. Prayer is a two-way conversation between you and God. And trust me, and we're going to talk about this all the the whole sermon time, prayer really does matter. Prayer really does matter. Our intro slide um, is a catchy little phrase. It says, prayer matters, and the matters we pray about matter. 
I thought that was kind of cute. I wrote that. Prayer matters, and the matters we pray about matter. You know, it was Martin Luther who said, and I don't have a slide for this, let me give her make sure I get it correct. You know, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Isn't that good? Have you ever thought the importance of prayer like that? Let me read it again. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Martin Luther. That's how important he saw prayer. And that's how important perhaps we also need to be today. Prayer matters, but also the matters we pray about matter. What should we pray about? I'm surprised how many people want to push back. And one of my favorite Bible teachers uh, one day talked about how, how, how silly it was that people pray for parking places and things like that. And I, I just really disagreed with him on that. And I think probably his point that day was more we should pray about things like that. But like I said last week, we need to pray about the bigger things of God. We don't want to limit our prayer life to small things. We want to be bold and big in our prayers. So it really does. In fact, Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, he said, now listen, he said, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But pray about how much? About everything. About everything. Uh, I was sharing this morning in first service, and Linda Guest came up and, and uh, kind of shared the same thought with me. But oh, many years ago now, probably five, six, seven years ago, um, I used to wear glasses, readers, you know, cheaters. And I would lose them while I was preaching. And so one day, Dr. Bennis said, hey, why don't you try putting a contact in your eye? Well, that was like like big deal for me. And so, in fact, for a year and year, you know, Judy would put my contact in every morning and take my contact out. And if Judy was out of town, I would call busy Dr. Bennett and say, Bennett, can you put my contact in for me? <laughs> no, I'm not spoiled or anything. But anyway, so finally, she was gone, and I think Bennett was gone. It was just me and the contact. So I had this little come-to-Jesus prayer meeting right there in my bathroom. This is so true. And so I said, God, please help me put my contact in. And boom, it went in. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Well, guess what? Here it is. I think about seven, eight years later, and just about every day, when I open that eye up and stick that contact in there, and it goes in, I say, God, thank you for helping me get my contact in. It's a small, simple thing, but it reminds me how God is interested in all the parts of my life. So prayer does matter. And the matters we pray about matter. They matter. They're essential. They're important. And that's why I talked about last week. It was so important that we pray for sick people, but we just got to get beyond that. We, In fact, we've got to get beyond praying for safe travels. Lord, give us traveling mercies. Nothing wrong with praying, but we've got to get beyond that. And we really need to get even beyond praying just for sick people. We must pray for them. But we've got to get to the weightier kingdom matters. If we want to see God bring revival in America, if we want to see God do great things in, re, in our lives, then we've got to get beyond parking places and sick people. You know, someone said, I don't do, I can't say Pinchrist, uh, whatever it really is, but they don't ever give credit to anything. But listen to what somebody said. If we only pray when we are in trouble, we're in trouble. Isn't that good? If we only pray when we're in trouble, then we are in trouble. 
So today, we want to try to learn. That's why I asked God this morning when I prayed for you and for me, is that God, may we learn today about prayer. And that means you probably need to get your Bible app out and hit save and then take some notes today so you'll be able to remember and have in the future uh, what we're going to talk about today. Our first scripture um, is James chapter 5 verse 17. James chapter 5 and verse number 17, the first part. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, now get that in your mind, that's just always cool to me. The half-brother of Jesus said, Elijah was a human being as we are. So just like us, Elijah, and here's this famous prophet in the Bible, and James says, oh, he was just like you. He was just like you, and he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. Um, he prayed passionately. Um, prayer, prayer was an important part of who he was. And if you look at that verse, you know, the rest of James 5.17, you'll see that James says, well, you know, um, he, he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed and it rained, you know? And, and that was such a big deal that it was passed on. And what's really kind of different is that that prayer is not even recorded in, in 1 Kings. I mean, it's not recorded that Elijah prayed one day and, and, you know, and it didn't rain. And really, there's not a whole lot with inside it was rain. There really is not a lot there either. And yet, thousands of years later, he's known as a man who passionately prayed. Now, here's, here's what I want you to grab a hold of. I want you to grab a hold of the fact that a lot of Elijah's success in prayer, and he had some big ones, okay, was because of the will of God. You know, there are four, there are four big ones that, that we have. You know, like I mentioned, we, we have Elijah, and apparently, again, it's not recorded, but we know it's true. James said it, and that makes it true. But also, we know it's true that, that he prayed, you know, in accordance with God's will, that God was going to shut off the rain. He said, yes, God, I'm asking you now, keep your word to bring judgment upon these people who have walked away from you. And boom, there was no rain for three and a half years. That's a big one. That's a big one. We know so little about it, and yet it's a big one. And then we got this incredible prayer where he brings this boy back to life. And this one was public, man. You know, the boy dies, and, and the woman says, it's all your fault, Elijah. And so Elijah says, give me your son. And he takes him upstairs to his room and shuts the door. Now, that's going to be important in just a moment. And then, boy, we had the whole prayer recorded. God, why did you do this? Remember I told you last week? Don't be afraid to pray, God, why did you do this? Okay, God can handle it. All right. Why did you bring this calamity upon this woman who's who's you know who set me up at you know here in her house? Why did you do that? And then he prays this prayer that's never been prayed before. He says, "Lord, bring him back to life." Nowhere in the Bible had anyone be bold enough to pray for a resurrection. And Elijah was bold enough, and guess what God did? He brought the boy back to life. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he was a man who earnestly prayed. Have you ever prayed him for that big? That big? Oh, and then and then there's the fire thing, and it was very public too. You know, God, call down, I'm calling us you to send fire down and consume this sacrifice that the people, not, not to promote me, God, but that the people might know that there's a God in Israel. And wham! Fire comes down and consumes the, the bull and the wood and the altar and licks up the dust and even the water in the trench. Wow. That's a big prayer. And then we got this prayer today. Don't know a lot about it, really. We got his posture, but the words aren't recorded. We really don't know. But it was a powerful prayer because, again, God sends the rain 
on the land. So, so there's so much, and here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to get. Um, is that the success of Elijah's prayers, the success of Elijah's prayers, okay, was directly related to the will of God. This is something we have got to learn. If you are thinking that you can pray against the will of God and God say yes, you are sadly mistaken. God is not going to violate his will for your prayer. So it's essential that we get a hold of the idea that we pray in accordance with God's will and things happen. That's what John, 1 John chapter 5 talks about. That we know when we pray according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. So the success... The rain, no rain, the resurrection of the boy, the fire, okay? The success of Elijah's prayer was directly related to the will of God. And so is ours. It's important that we seek the will of God, okay? Sidetrack, not a rabbit, a sidetrack. Don't forget, I believe it's Romans chapter 8, that the Bible says, you know, Paul said, we don't even know how to pray sometimes. And then he says, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Because he knows the will of God and the Father hears him. How incredible is that? So, God said no rain, boom, no rain. God said rain, boom, it was. You know, Elijah just got to announce the forecast. And, and so often, you know, when we see the answers of prayer, all we are are forecasters, are promoters of this great God that we serve. And that's why it's important when God answers the prayer publicly in a way. In fact, sometimes, listen, when God says no, it's big news. Sometimes we, you know, we pray and God says no, and the no is bigger than the yes ever would have been. So, so, so whether it's a yes or a no, we've got to tell people we, we have a God who answers prayer. We have a God who answers prayer. You know, Greg Laurie, a great pastor out in California... Some of you may know his name. Um, you know, sent a devotion out this week on prayer. And I snagged a part of this. Um, it's really good. Here's what he wrote. You know, sometimes God says no. He just does. Sometimes, and you probably know that, don't you? You prayed a prayer. It seemed logical to you. It seemed the right thing. And God said no. Paul prayed a prayer like that. And God said no. In fact, God said no three times. Okay? So sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says Slow. It's a timing issue. And sometimes God says, go. I'm ready to answer that prayer. So, so in other words, Lori says, in other words, if the request is wrong, God says no. Again, if you think you can pray, okay, outside the will of God and get a yes, you're sadly mistaken. God is not your puppet. He's not your soda machine. He's not the Easter bunny. God is God, and he answers prayer in accordance with his will. Someone once said, you know, there is a God, and we are not him. And we are not him. So, so if, the, if, if the quest is wrong, God's going to say no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. So in other words, the timing wasn't correct. You know, with the, time, with the case of Elijah. Elijah declares war on Ahab, and rather than go to war, God says, no, now you're going to go to Cherith, and I'm going to work on you and mature you. Okay? So sometimes... God's timing is not right. So he puts it on pause, all right? Then, then, um, if you are wrong, and Lori adds this in, if you are wrong, God says grow. That's what happened with Elijah. Elijah, I don't want you to go and face Ahab now. I want you to go to Cherith. I want you to go to Zarephath, and I'm going to grow you. 
so that when the time comes, you'll be ready to face Ahab. Maybe the answer you've gotten is not what you're expecting, and maybe God is saying, no, you need to grow some. I want to give you an answer, but you're not ready to receive that answer yet. So sometimes you just need, need to grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, then God says go. See, prayer, prayer is exciting. Prayer is this one. You've got this all-powerful God, and he is on your side, okay? He's on your side. And here's what I found out. I told the earlier group, I said, you know, one thing this series taught me is how little I know about prayer. How little I know about prayer. It's amazing. So it's a lifelong journey for us to learn what prayer is all about. So we finally come to 1 Kings 18.42, okay? 1 Kings 18.42. Now, in 41, what happens is Elijah goes to Ahab. He says, you need to leave because, now listen, I hear the sound of rain. You need to leave. Because I hear the sound of rain. Now, if we were there that day, we looked around, and it had been a bright, sunny day. There was not a cloud in the skies. Hadn't rained for three and a half years. And so we look around, there's nothing. And Elijah, here's Elijah saying, you need to go because I hear the sound of rain. How is it that Elijah could hear the sound of rain before there was a cloud in the sky? Are you ready to hear the answer? He heard with the ears of faith. He knew that God had said it's going to rain. And he was so confident in... Oh, come on now, write this down. He was so confident in God that even though there was not a cloud in the sky, he knew the rain was coming. He knew that God is good. Say it with me. God is good. God is faithful. And God can be trusted, even when there wasn't a cloud in the skies. So, so in 42, so Ahab, and listening to Elijah, so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. Okay, so what we have here then, we're going to have the place of prayer. Write that down if you're taking notes. The place of prayer. Now, Elijah chose to go to the summit of Carmel. You might say, well, why did he go there? All right, let's look at our teaching point, okay? Elijah chose the summit of Carmel for the prayer meeting, and I think there are valid reasons. Number one, the stone-cold altar of Baal stood as a testimony of their defeat, okay? So we're up on the Mount of Carmel, summit, okay? And over here is this altar. And on this altar, even the flies... On this altar was this bull that had laid there all day long in the hot sun. And the flies were zooming around. And every fly was a testimony that Baal failed. Somebody say amen. Every fly was a testimony that Baal failed. So over here, as he looks over here, he sees that God is, that Baal is nothing. That Baal is a failure. But over here, and I actually miswrote. Because over here, you know, I said, you know, Baal said a testimony of their defeat, and the still hot altar of God speaks of his omnipotent majesty. The only problem is that's not true. Because do you remember the story? 
You know, God, God sent down fire, and the Bible says that, that, he, that the fire of God fell, and the bull was consumed, the wood was consumed, and the altar was consumed. Even the dust was licked up, and the water in the trench. So that's not quite true. There was a hot spot where the altar had been, but the altar is gone. And trust me, it shouted and spoke spoke of the omnipotent, the all-powerful majesty of God. So he chose this place to pray this great prayer because it showed the defeat of what is false and it showed the power of what is true. And that is just so, so important. So in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, we have a little teaching from Jesus. Okay? And, and he says this, But when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in heaven. Now, let, let me be clear. Okay? That doesn't mean you can't pray other places. In fact, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, Pray constantly. Well, obviously, if you're praying constantly, you can't spend your entire life in your private room. So, yes, can you pray when you're driving your car? Absolutely. Um, can you pray when you're walking? Absolutely. One of my favorite times to pray um, you know, is walking in the mornings, you know, when I'm doing my exercise walk, and you know, I just walk and talk with God. So, yes, you can pray while you're walking. Um, you can pray while you're working. Don't tell your boss, but you can pray while you're working, while you're mashing the keys on the keyboard. You can pray anytime, okay, because prayer is that kind of conversation with God. You can pray everywhere. But, but, there are times. Someone say there's times. There are times when you need to go away by yourself. Jesus did this. Sometimes Jesus played publicly. Sometimes he played privately, okay? Uh, Paul, sometimes Paul played publicly, and sometimes Paul prayed Privately, There are times when you've got to get away by yourself. You've got to shut the door and pray to your Father in private. There's times when you need that concentration. There's times when you need that, 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 that focus on prayer. Um, we saw this when Elijah raised the young boy. He looked at the mom and said, give me the body. He took the body, took it upstairs, went into his private room, and shut the door. So t- sometimes... We need that. We need that privacy, okay, that, that only privacy can give us, that, that, that time away um, from God can give us. So, so listen, yes, we need to have that place, but yes, we can play, pray other places. Now, let's look at the posture of prayer. The posture of prayer. Here's what it says in verse number 42b. Elijah, he, he bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now, write this down if you're a note taker. The next couple of things we're going to talk about are what I call the mechanics of prayer. So the mechanics of prayer are never as important as the heart of prayer. The mechanics of prayer are not as important as the heart of prayer. What do I mean? Well, our teaching point says it well. The posture of prayer, well, it seems like I just said that. The posture of prayer is not nearly as important as the posture of the heart. Here, his bending low signified his dependence and his humility. 
We often think we have to be on our knees. You don't. We often say we have to close your eyes. You don't. Those are mechanics of prayer. And sometimes they work very well, but sometimes they're just not possible. Okay? So we adapt our prayer life to what's working best for us in those circumstances. Don't get hung up on the mechanics of prayer. The heart. Somebody say the heart. The heart is more important. The heart is more important. I remember one time I said, you know, if you're looking for a man to marry or a woman to marry, more important than the skin is the heart. We like for every woman to be uh, beautiful and every man to be handsome. But let me tell you something. It comes down to skin or heart. You better choose heart. You better choose heart. Same thing here. Okay? Now, his bending low, and I was going to try to demonstrate this, but I am certain that Elijah was thinner than me. So getting down with my face between my knees would not be pretty. So we'll just let you imagine that. Okay? But here, his bending low signified his dependence and his humility. Whatever our position in prayer, no matter where we are praying, we should also always let prayer be our dependence on God. That's what prayer is about. That's what prayer is about. God, I need you. God, I'm leaning on you. It's very, very, very important. So, what's the other mechanics that's important? Words. Words. But again, this mechanic is not as important as the heart. Okay? Have you ever wondered this, our teaching point there? Um, you know, so, so why are the words not recorded? In two prayers that James said that Elijah was this awesome prayer warrior, no words are recorded. And you want to know why I think? I think because the words are not important. See, impressive words in prayer won't impress God. Impress. We, you've heard people pray that they've got these, these like high-sounding words, and that's fine as long as they're sincere. As long as they're sincere. I, I, think, I think it's so important that, that whatever words we use come from our heart. Amen? Come from our heart. God's not impressed with our big words in prayer. What grabs the heart of God is a heart surrendered to him, to him. Um, in Matthew 6, 7, and 8, Jesus said this. So when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And that's exactly what you saw over here with the prophets of Baal. Oh, Baal, oh, Baal, hour after hour after hour. Oh, Baal, oh, Baal, oh, Baal. And they babbled on and on and on and on. And they imagined that their God, Baal, would hear them for their many words. God's not really impressed in how many words we say. You know, in Luke chapter 18, there's two guys. There's a Pharisee and there's a publican. Okay? And the Pharisee's over here, you know, and and he's, you know, just talking to himself because God wasn't listening. And and he, he prays this prayer about, oh, God... You know how good I am. And God, you know that I tithe and I give to the church. And God, you know I keep the rules. And oh God, most of all, I'm not like him. Read it for yourself, Luke chapter 18. His prayer was 30 words long. 30 words long. Listen now to the Pharisee. 
the, I'm sorry, the publican, the tax collectors over here now, Pharisees over there, the tax collectors here, and he, I can tell exactly what his prayer was. I've never forgotten it. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words. Seven words. Over here, oh God, I'm so good, and God, aren't you glad that I'm on your team, and God, I know the church can get by without my money, and I know the church can get by without my talents. Oh God, aren't you glad? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words. And you know what Jesus said? This guy went home changed. Not this guy. So, so God's not worried about how many words you pray. He's worried about your heart. Somebody say amen. He's worried about your heart. So, so he says, don't be like them. This is, this is going to stump you. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask. What? Wait a minute. What's prayer about? Prayer is not I want Prayer is I believe. Prayer is not I want. Prayer is I believe. The Father already knows what you need before you pray a single word. Prayer is about dependence on Him. Prayer is about relationship with Him. Prayer is about intimacy with Him. Jesus said it. Before you whisper a word, your Father knows. What you need. Isn't that amazing? And see, and see, this is this, you know, imagine, imagine, imagine. So, so what if, so what if you know our safety and all our well-being and stuff really depend on what we said to God? Even our best efforts, we fall short. That's why I'm glad the Holy Spirit is on my side. He's praying, making intercession um, for me with words that I cannot even utter. That's why I'm glad God says, I'm not worried about your number of words. I'm not impressed with your big words. All I want is your heart. Isn't that kind of like salvation? Aren't you glad it's not a balance? Aren't you glad it's not about keeping rules? Aren't you glad that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life? Aren't you glad it depends on Him and not you? And trust me, trust me, so much of prayer depends on Him and not you. Well, we've got the posture of prayer and the place of prayer now, now let's, let's look at a declaration of his faith. Because that's really what, that's what happens now. The power of prayer. So in verse 43, um, he said to a servant, he, Elijah, said to a servant, Now, I want you to go up and look toward the sea. Now, remember, he's, he's on the ground, his face between his knees, okay? And he says to his servant, go up and look toward the sea. All right? So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And then watch this. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Okay? Now, keep in mind this one thing. Elijah knows God's going to send rain. How did he know that? Know that. Because God said so. Because God said so. Now he's saying, Father, you have said, God, you have said you're going to do this. Now I'm asking you in your name to do what you said. How about that? How about that? So, so he goes back. Again and again and again and again. So, so what is this all about? Okay, let's learn. Our teaching point says it all. Persistence in prayer 
You need to hear this. You need to believe this. Persistence in prayer is not because God is stubborn or deaf. Baal was a false god, but Elijah accused him and said, What's the matter with your god? Is he deaf? Is he traveling? Is he this? Is he that? Your God is not that way. Persistence in prayer is not because God is stubborn or deaf. is a lesson of faith. I've often said, and it's not original with me, that God is more interested in my holiness than my happiness. And God is more interested in my faith in him than how quick he answers my prayer is a lesson of faith and a preparation to receive his, an- his answer, his answer to our prayers. There's a reason why. Time spent in prayer is time of preparation for his answer. Time spent in prayer is preparation for his answer. Over in Luke chapter 11, Jesus speaking again about prayer. He says, you know, so... I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then he goes on and answers and says, you know, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And that's such a powerful statement on prayer. So it made me look at it and say, okay, what is Jesus saying? When he said, ask, and it will be given, what is it? Is it what you want? Or is it what he wants? Because again, keep in mind, he's God and you're not. And James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And Jesus said that God already knows what you need before you ask. So if we're willing to ask it, God's answer to your prayer will be given to you. Seek and you will find. What are we seeking? I think think since prayer is about intimacy and relationship... Perhaps what Jesus was saying, what we're we're seeking is a deeper, in prayer, a deep and more intimate relationship with him. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 13, here's what Jeremiah said. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Maybe maybe what Jesus is saying is that when we pray, as we seek God, we're going to find God. As we seek God, we're going to find a deeper relationship with God. And that knock and the door would be opened. Maybe that's about God's will. Maybe it's about God's will. Maybe we knock on the door and God opens our eyes and our heart to see His will for us. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I won't quote the whole verse, but you know, talking to Israel, I know the plans I have for you. Well, God's got great plans. You know, I love, you know, Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in His path. I love that. I love that. So, so everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. In other words, if you want a deeper, a deeper, uh, more personal relationship with God, spend some time in prayer. Serve, but don't serve more. Just spend some more time in prayer. Well, to shorten this thing up a little bit, because I think I see red, which means I'm over time. Um, so, so we've got, thank you, brother. So, so we've got this thing, you know, so, so the servant goes back the seventh time. He sees a cloud he describes as the sound or the size of a man's hand. 
So he goes back and tells Elijah, okay, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah goes, okay, this is it. He said, you go tell Ahab, he better get down the mountain because a downpour is coming. And so, so he did that, and the Bible says, and the Bible says that's exactly what happened. The sky, the sky grew, grew dark, okay, and a downpour. Somebody say downpour. See, when God answers prayer, it can be in a really big way. God didn't send a sprinkle. He didn't send a light spring shower. He opened up the heavens and sent a downpour upon the, upon the parched land of Israel. They had repented, and the, and the time was right for God to send rain. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Okay, let's do one more teaching point and one more quote, and we're going to call it a day. The teaching point is this. Amazing things happen when we learn to pray for God's will and God's way. Amazing things. Your prayer life, look at me. Your prayer life will go through the roof when this happens. When you start being in tune with God. some uh, John Phillips said that Elijah was so in tune with God, he knew when to pray for no rain and knew when to pray for rain. May we be that in tune with God. May our fellowship and relationship be such with God that we're so tuned in. Amazing things happen when we learn to pray for God's will and for it to be done in God's way. Okay? It is true that prayer changes things, and it does. But most of all, prayer changes us. Elijah was not the same man when he started this journey. Would everybody say amen to that? And our goal, listen, our goal of sanctification is not to be the same person we were when we started. Each day, God wants us to be more and more like Jesus. And trust me, that involves prayer. That involves prayer. Okay, so what's the quote? All right, the quote is this. Prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. So, so true. Prayer is not about twisting God's arm, appealing to his heart, and he goes, well, it's really, not I want, it's really not what I wanted for you, but okay, it's not. Prayer is God reaching down and his will being done on earth. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let that same will that's in heaven be done on earth. And when we start praying like this and believing like this, folks, there is no telling what God can do. Now, we can keep doing what we're doing, okay? Or perhaps we can learn from the Word of God. Like I already told you, this this message taught me how little I know. I can't wait to tell the story. I'll probably write a blog on it. I flat argued with God. I did. I said, God, James, James says that Elijah prayed this prayer. I don't find it in First Kings, God. I can't find it. I read commentary after commentary. God, James said this happened, but God, I can't find it. Of course, it was my wife's wife who said, well, Dwayne, not everything's in the Bible like that. If James said it, it's true because James is part of the infallible word of God. Just because I can't find it, don't make it no, not true or true. So as we journey through life, as we begin this journey, let's learn. Let's learn about prayer. Um, a great epidemic and a pandemic 
in, in Christian circles is a twisted teaching of prayer. We, we want to totally, we want it to be a want to and not I believe. I want it, God, you've got to do it. I want it, God, you've got to do it. That's not biblical. It's just not biblical. So we have got to learn. And trust me, trust me, trust me. The truth is better than the lie. The truth is better than the false teaching. The truth is powerful. You know how come I know that? Because Jesus did it. Jesus did it. I love the garden. You know, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, let it be so. But God, Father, not my will, but thy will. Second Corinthians chapter 12, 11. Paul said, I asked God three times to take this thorn away from me. It's hindering my ministry, he said. It's painful, he said. But Paul said, God said no. He said, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul wisely said, well, in that case, I'm afraid I'll be weak. So I can experience more of your power. You know, John, the disciples went to Jesus and said, John, teach us to pray like John's disciples. Jesus, teach us to pray like John's disciples. And Jesus did. Jesus did. Would you bow your head, please, in prayer? Thank you for being so patient. Now listen, please excuse me for being repetitive. You've got to open the worship app. You've got to go to uh, more and you've got to go on events and you've got to say this. You will not remember this. In three days, you will not remember this. In two days, you won't remember this. And these truths have potential to change your life and my life. I hope you'll do that. Now, God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing these truths today. Thank you for the worship we've experienced, time with the family, and time with you. Now, God, I'm going to ask that you'll help us to learn. I'm going to ask that you'll um, help us to be obedient to you um, in all things. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.